I believe we are live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube. Uh, welcome everyone to the Feel Inspired podcast. I'm of course you're amazing, you're delectable, you're delightful, you're dulcet host Amit Soda. And today I've got an amazing episode. By the way, it's been a couple of weeks since I've been on. Uh, the last guest was Dr. Rakish, who was amazing. We had such a fun podcast. And today is definitely pegged to be just as good, if not even better, with this incredible guest I have today. Uh, but for anyone new joining in, like I said, my name is Amit Soda. I'm the host of this amazing podcast. And um, the Feel Inspired podcast was originated from my idea of trying to cre- recreate the feeling that people sometimes get when they've listened to a podcast or read a book and they've heard something or seen something that has just inspired them to make a change in their life. And this is what I wanted to recreate with this podcast is hopefully you may hear something here that's just going to absolutely blow you away, change your life, or just even be just a tiny piece of knowledge that's going to make you uh, feel like, wowzers, why did I not know that before? Um, so that's where it's all come from. And today I have an incredibly special guest. Her name is Louise Lapiche. I hope I say that right, by the way. Do I say that right? I answer to anything. It's usually Lapish, but Lapish is fine. There we go. There we go. So uh, I should have checked that beforehand. There's my professional nature in full force. No, but um, she's, uh, and unlike some of my previous guests, actually, I do know Louise a little bit in that we've had um, dealings before. In fact, I've used her services before and she was incredible. And so I thought it'd be wonderful to do this particular topic with her because As we all know, uh, things are pretty crazy out there right now. And whilst there are opportunities, I don't think everyone knows how to leverage leverage themselves for those opportunities. Um, Things are quite tricky. Lots of people being made redundant. Lots of people have amazing skills. And there are lots of opportunities equally out there as well. But not everyone knows how to reposition themselves, redo their CV, make themselves sellable, make people want to hire them uh, and I think that that's a skill and an art in itself because I know I've been there and I'm when it comes to certain things like that in certain areas I wasn't very good at selling myself so I think this is going to be very much needed so without further ado I'd love to welcome the lovely Louise uh, who's going to be enlightening us on this topic today so before we do before we start though Louise it's always great to know uh, a little bit about you, your journey, how you've got to this point, you know, where you were before, what you were doing, and what's kind of led to this combination or this point for you now that you've got to this stage and you're helping people as the dream con- career consultant. Yeah, so um, my my journey began back um, as a recruitment consultant when I first graduated. Um, and it was, I was sort of straight into that job world. And then I went to work for a career management company. Now, career management in the UK isn't something that people necessarily know a lot about. Most people kind of get onto a graduate scheme. They don't realise that you can actually take a step back and, and do some career planning, which I always think is 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 the first kind of um, hurdle for people to get over is that they're actually in charge of their own career. Um, and then I worked in, in this field, I keep saying about 15 years, it's probably nearer 20 now um but i keep on saying it's it's 15 years and i I can remember the the day before i set up on my own and i've been working for myself now for 10 years um and i was sat down having a conversation with the ceo who who said to me that he didn't think i had enough gray hair for promotion which i thought was (laughs) interesting yeah. Um, I still don't have grey hair 10 years on, and that's even with lockdown roots. So, um, you know, if I'd have waited for the grey hair, then I was never going to step out and, and do what I needed to do. But the one thing that it made me realise is that um, other people really like to keep you in a box. So recruiters Definitely. really like a square peg um, to go into a square hole, you know, and, and pe- people have these skills that they think, well, will these do anything else? And so what I wanted to do, and, and the reason behind the Dream Career Consultant is help people to really understand that one, as I said before, they're in charge of their career, but also that they don't have to have a fixed career. You know, that idea of the job for life has totally gone out of the window. Um, you know, I, I, I come from um, a family of police officers, you know, so you join the police and you, you, you're in the police for 30 years and then you retire and then you're an ex-police officer. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and very few careers are really like that. And that's really what attracted me to helping people find out what their purpose is. Now, we've all seen those quotes about finding a job that you love and it feels like you're not working at all. Now, I find that I think I'm really lucky because um, I love what I do. You know, I genuinely love my job. Um, 
and um, I love to hear the success stories about people when they find their dream job. So that's really where the dream career consultant comes from. Now, I specifically use the word consultant because there are loads and loads of people out there coaching. And one of the things that I've always said is if somebody knew how to write their CV, then they would have the answers and they'd be able to do it. That's why I use consultant rather than coach, because helping people um, is great and helping them give me the information is great. But people don't necessarily know how to then put it into practice and they don't necessarily know when they're not interviewing as well as they could. Um, especially now we've gone virtual and, you know, people, people are having to get used to being on camera rather than actually face to face or worse. They're having to go through interviews where it's all automated and, and they're simply asked a question and they're recording something and there's no human interaction at all. Now, um, I'm sure you know how I feel about things like that and they, the candidate experience, if they're not even talking to a human, um, don't necessarily think it's it's the best, but that's probably a, a, a whole other topic. Um, so I guess that was my journey and, and what brought me to, to where I am today. Lovely. Yeah, that, that's uh, a, and I think that um, hearing your journey, I think a lot of people will be able to relate to, um, you know, what you mentioned there about the whole grey hair thing as well. And I think uh, that's not the kind of the first time I've heard mentioned similar things, similar things mentioned. Uh, and it's interesting that along the course of their journey, people will hear all sorts of things with regards to them moving on. I had something else earlier today and it'll come back to me. I can't remember exactly what it was. But someone else mentioned something to me today as well, uh, and it was very similar. But um, talking about this time in general, though, you mentioned quite a few different things that are very apparent right now. Like you said, of course, virtual interviews or, you know, online interviews or sometimes even just you having to record something about yourself, a video and submit it almost like a it's almost like a, um, you know, like a, what do you call it? like an actor would have to do is like a sort of like a demo or um, what are they yeah. show reel or something like that. Well, that you're submitting. Yeah, absolutely. It's no and, different at all. And, and, and we, we talked a lot about diversity and, and bias it before. And, you know, as soon as you see somebody, you're making opinions about them and you're not necessarily picking up everything from them. Because you're only seeing a little bit on a screen. Yeah, and uh, and that's the thing, right? So if you if you take, for example, someone who is an actor, they they're probably quite accustomed to putting themselves on camera. But for the average layperson who probably works in an office, works in some sort of corporate environment, or you know, for a company, they may not have that same luxury of being accustomed to putting themselves on a video and talking to you know, what is essentially just a machine. Um, I, I did see a cool, quite a cool thing that a friend of mine mentioned was that whenever he does um, records videos or uh, does interviews, he puts a little Lego head stuck to the top of his camera um, just so it feels like he's talking to something rather than nothing at all. I thought that was quite a good little tip. Um, but it is a massive change. I think this is not something to be underestimated. This is um, a huge thing for many people. And so I guess you know, to begin with, where does someone start by adjusting to the old paradigm of seeing people face to face? You know, you're trained to walk in, shake hands with someone and, you know, give that firm handshake and you're not doing any of that stuff anymore. So where does someone even begin to get prepared for having to present themselves on a screen? So one of the main things is to realise that you're not a professional actor. So, you know, most people kind of over-egg it and really kind of put so much pressure on themselves for it to be perfect. And actually, as humans, we like imperfect. So everybody trips over their words. I mean, you and I do this kind of stuff for a living and there'll still be times we trip over our words or we need to get a drink of water or we do all of those human things. And I think it's really setting your, your kind of level of it's okay. As long as I present myself in the best way possible, then that's as much as you can expect because there are certain types of people who are going to thrive by it being um, virtual and they're actually going to prefer it rather than having to go into a room and, and a panel full of people and you know I've seen quite a lot of people now doing kind of assessment days online and things like that so they're going into breakout rooms and doing different exercises some people will thrive on that but the biggest thing I think is um, is about being kind to yourself and really knowing that you're not expected to be sitting there with you know all of the right equipment 
Um, you're not expected to be to be 100% perfect. But what I will say is please don't ever sit on your bed just looking down at your laptop and thinking that's good enough. So um, making sure that you've got a, a space where you can at least put a light on and, and give yourself the best chance. Um, so if you've never done one before, practice with somebody. Do, do, a, do a Zoom practice with somebody or a Teams practice with somebody. Um, most people have got the technology now, so it's fairly easy to do. Or, you know, WhatsApp is, is great if you're just trying to get used to that video. Mm. As I would say, people tend to watch themselves rather than actually interacting. So one of the other Which things is... is quite often to stick a, a post-it over your own face so that you're not watching yourself. Um, that, that, that's that... going, oh, oh, oh. My hair, okay. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, I I wasn't looking at you there at all. I was just admiring myself. You know, I mean, I think I'm looking rather rather glowing today. So, um, but it, it's so easy to do for your eyes to just change position and like you take your focus off the person and you're looking at yourself. And you know, that's obviously one side of, of many sides to this. Um, but, but you the mentioned with that is most people aren't really confident about their appearance. So if they're starting to analyze how they look and how they're coming across, they're not really focusing on what they're saying. That's true that's as well. Really, you know, that's ultimately what they need to do is they're telling their story and they need to focus on that. You're so right. Because face to face or virtually, it's still about how you do it. Yeah, no, you're so right. Because you could e easily lose focus. And when you do lose focus, that people feel that energy go. They just know that it's not on them. And, you know, even if it's digitally, I think people feel it more than you'll probably realize. Um, but you, you mentioned again a couple of things, which is quite interesting, just the simple practical things of being prepared and, you know, like, you know, making sure you've got right lighting, a nice environment, just, you know, even if your place isn't, you know, Buckingham Palace, you can still find somewhere that's going to be better and optimal for you that will just be more presentable and be able to, you know, give you, give the best impression of yourself on camera. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm a big fan of, of smiling. So I said to everybody, just smile. So even if, you know, they're not in the room, smile at the camera until they join, because at least then the first thing they see is, is she smiling. Uh, absolutely. So, so true. Uh, and, you know, like we along with this, I mean, obviously, firstly, people are going to have to deal with some of these, you know, things that going to these extra little things in terms of the nerves, the feeling, the the lack of someone there, the the, the lack of the tactile approach. Um, so what else can other people do? What, what, what can anyone do to kind of prepare for this, this new paradigm of being ready for, you know, going for difficult interviews that are potentially just going to be on camera and, you know, they're not really going to be, you know, again, they're not used to it. So, you know, how are they going to prepare for it? What else can they do? Well, it was really interesting because I was thinking um, as I was out walking the dog earlier on about the word pivot. And it's one of those words. I know, I know we used it in, in the fly, but it's one of those words that people keep talking about. And I was I was doing my, my whole kind of English graduate thing. of oh, well, to pivot as a noun is about being really important and being kind of centered, you know, and, and, and you being the pivotal person in that. And I think that the most important thing people can do right now is accept that the world has changed but also realize that they only need one job hmm. because the pressure of this whole kind of, you know, you, the, the, the news is terrible. If you looked at any of the job news today, hmm. you know, oh, our, our, the number of employees has fallen. The number of this has fallen. This lady's applied for 3000 jobs and got nowhere. You can surround yourself by that negative stuff or you can be really centered and think, what do I actually want from my next move? What do I actually want to do? And I think when we then start to think about pivoting as the verb, you can change, you can move into a different direction, you are not fixed in a box. And I think there's this whole thing as well around um, being prepared for income replacement. So we're in hard times at the minute, we don't know how long that's going to last. It might be that you take a job doing something else that's not the career goal, but it means that you pay your bills and you pay your rent and you feel okay, because so much of this is about mindset. Mm. And and you know the, the whole recruitment industry is set up for negativity you are never ever um feeling positive about the job search unless you actually get the job so all of the way through recruiters are saying oh, i didn't put your cv forward because somebody else was, was better for it or the employer says oh there was somebody else that matched our our exact wish list slightly better than you did but thanks for applying so it's all all rejection 
So what I, I think is really important is to take some time to think about what people want, to think about, you know, the, the organisation. Do, do they want to go back into the office? Because if they don't, maybe now is the time to look for something else. And what I always think happens during these downturns is that entrepreneurial spirit kind of rises up. And people go, actually, I've always wanted to do this. And, um, you know, I talk about redundancy creating opportunity. And I wholeheartedly believe that because most people won't take a risk unless they have to. Um, you know, a lot of the time it's easy to stay in a job rather than, than to go out there and create something. So I think when you're thinking about... Oh, I've lost, lost sound. Oh, there you go, you're back. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now, yeah. So, yeah, so that whole portfolio career is becoming much more common. So it might be that you take a part-time job whilst you're setting up a business. It might be that you have more than one employer. It doesn't have to be traditional anymore. And I think that's one of the opportunities that COVID-19 has given us. Um, and, and, and I think it's about where you look for your news as well. Um, because I've been working with um, a couple of people recently. I, you know, I'm their um, career consultant. We've been working on their CBs. They're really quite senior people. But they're looking at the world going, is this all terrible? I'm like, no, you're in tech. It's amazing. The opportunities are there. Yeah. We need more tech in these times because everyone's working from home. So it's, it's simply about where you focus and where you look, as with every other aspect of life, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Like I, I know we discussed this, and I, I hardly ever watch the news because I think it does, um, it does actually have a detrimental effect on our well-being. And then, and then, um, but then if you if you if you keep your eyes open, like I think I was just seeing on the sidebar on my LinkedIn today as well that you know the amount of tech jobs that are out there is just incredible. Uh, I don't I don't have it in front of me actually, but uh, um, but you know you just look at the recent stats and figures that have come out about Amazon and Apple and Tesla and Google and all these companies who are thriving right now. Um, and they want good people. They need good people. And um, I know someone who is struggling and then they found a job in this difficult time quite quickly. And while other people are struggling, and I think that it needs, like you said, the right mindset uh, and approach. But, um, it, you know, it's, obviously not going to be easy but you have to be proactive and you have to take those relevant steps and try different things and never become static as an individual you've got to try a different approach try a different uh, like you even said as well about you know perhaps even just doing something part-time that at least takes the pressure off the thought of money for off the table for a little while while you focus so you can focus on it absolutely and i know quite a lot of people that like through lockdown went and got jobs in supermarkets and things yeah. like that because the training world had dried up and the coaching world had dried up but they had you know kids to feed so off they went and did jobs and nobody's looking at that thinking oh that's a, a bad career move you know i, I think that I, I have more respect for for people who who've done that kind of pivot to, to make sure that they mm. um sustain their life um the, than I would have done before, you know, because I think these are, are really brave decisions. And I think there, there, there is a, a time now for some bravery. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's interesting when we start to think about those emotions. I often say um, that being made redundant and losing your job is like leaving a bad relationship. Because you might have absolutely adored them and then they left you. You know, and it, it's that you people go through those same feelings of betrayal, of hurt, of uncertainty, of... Of, of really being, you know, kind of feeling like they've, they've been deserted. And they're like, but I loved you and I did everything I could for you and now I've been cast aside. And and it's the same emotion. So people have to grieve in the same way for an employer that doesn't want them anymore than they do But if someone's no longer in the life. Um, and I don't think people really realise how much our society is built on as having our identity in terms of our career. You know, so you normally get, oh, this is so-and-so, they're a doctor. Oh, this is so-and-so, they're a policeman. There's, there's never any, you know, oh, they really like to knit of a Sunday or they really like fell walking. It's never about us as a person. It's always about that job title. So if that's taken away from you, there's a void. Now, the great thing about the universe and voids is that something will come along and fill it. But it, it's easy for me to sit here and say redundancy is a brilliant thing and, and I know thousands of people have, have had a better experience when they've been made redundant doesn't always feel that way when you're sat in it of course so yeah. I do think about having that plan 
and, and thinking about what people want to do and, and really thinking about what do, what can I sell? Um, so there's a, a great um, story and it, it's one that's definitely in my book um, and it's around a guy who was working in insurance and he was a project manager and he loved project management but he hated insurance. What he really wanted to do was go and work for some conservation, um, you know, charity, planting trees and, and whatever else. And he was like, but I can't afford to do that. I want to buy a house. I want to have a family. So there was all this conflict about what he wanted and um, and how he could achieve it. Anyway, we kind of we pivoted his CV. I'll use the phrase um, and we focused the project management in terms of um, people like the Forest Trust because they need project managers. There are global projects going on to try and, and stop the world being um, decimated in, in quite the way it has been. And, and he ended up getting a job for the Forest Trust. So wow. he's now a project manager working for them. So he's going all over. So it's how you use those skills because project management is project management is project management. You know, if we if we're worried too much that we've only been in one sector, we're unlikely to to look outside of that. Um, and it was interesting because we, we tend to start talking the language of our organization. So I had a conversation with somebody the other day and they said, oh, can you write my CV if you've never worked in this sector? And I said, absolutely, because I don't know all your terminology. So I'm going to make that CV easier to read for somebody else. And that's what it's about is the audience. So check for your jargon and your CV. Does it read like an internal document or would somebody who has no idea what your organization do be able to see how those skills work yeah that's a really good point i love that story as well so what do what would you say to someone who's decided all right you know what sod it i've been made redundant i i'm going to try and do what i you know what what i really want to do which is i i i don't know you know become an oceanographer or something like that right and they've been doing it support their whole life right so how, and they're probably thinking to themselves as well i'm sure there's people out there thinking to themselves okay so what do i do how do i do it how you know where do i even begin to translate my skills where they will be appreciated you know how is that even possible uh and so where would someone even start on something like that it's also about being realistic so if you came to me um next week and said Louise, all I've ever wanted to be is an astronaut, then, you know, we might have to, to kind of have a conversation about what drove you to, to consider that that's what you wanted to do. What have you done to prove that that's what you want to do? Have you got an interest? Have you got, you know, the, the um, stuff that you've done outside of work? Have you been volunteering somewhere that, that kind of fits in with that stuff? Just to, to kind of make sure that, that it is a genuine thing. Because, um, the, the first kind of step of the seven steps that I always talk about is about owning up to being a grown-up. So we all had these ambitions when we were kids. Um, and, and actually, it's about us then going, is this realistic? Does this work for me? Because if you're going to be an oceanographer, one of the questions I'd be asking, are, are you willing to move? You know, what 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 kind of... Um, what kind of things have you, have you done to prove that this is? Do you have the relevant qualifications? Are you prepared to go and get the qualifications? Because it doesn't matter if you haven't got them yet, if you want to get them. But then we might be having a conversation about you're going to have to work in IT support whilst you're training. So you might have to work part time in IT support or you might have to find a flexible way to do the learning whilst you're still doing that income replacement job. So it's all very practical. You know, it, it's never going to be a case of, right, pack your bags, go, go yeah. and, and find your nearest ocean and give it a go. Because that doesn't work for people. And there's nothing worse than having a dream and not knowing how you're going to get there. You know, if you don't have the steps to get there, and sometimes it isn't a straight road, sometimes it's more like a cha-cha. So there's side steps and back steps and whatever else. So, yeah. No, so, so, so true. By the way, what are these uh, seven steps? So the seven steps is, is the, so the book is called The Seven Steps to Career Consciousness. So um, it's all around kind of owning up to being a grown up, being an application sensation. I've got recruiters, you know, and rejection and, and all of those kind of things. So they're all, all part of the program. And that's one of the coaching programs that I run. Um, so people go through the seven steps, which takes them from deciding what they want to do right the way through to the seventh step, which for me is the most important one, which is being kind to your mind. Um, because as I alluded to before, so much of this process is negative. So much of um, you know what people hear is 
you're not good enough, you're not right, your CV's not good enough, you're not good, you did an interview very well, um, or we liked you, but, you know, or, or the, the really ambiguous, oh, you're too experienced, you're overqualified, which generally usually means that, that you're too expensive. Um, but you know what, we need to see value in, in what we deliver. But that seventh step for me is the bit that's the longer term is about recognising that Hello, can you hear me? Just apply for jobs. So don't apply for 10 jobs that don't fit what you do. Because all you've done is then put yourself up to get rejected from 10 jobs that you can't do. If you want to change, be specific. So tell them why you want to change, show them how you can change and stick a cover letter in there. You know, the cover letter hasn't died contrary to popular belief. I mean, applicant tracking systems don't tend to like them. But maybe you go outside of the applicant tracking system. You can find anybody now. You know, you can you can go online and find anybody. You can approach them. You can send them a letter, send them a postcard. You know, send send them a show reel if, if you've decided to put one together. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Again, I think that's uh, that's great advice because, um, and especially what you said there as well about the seven steps about being kind to your mind. You know, that's a, that's a, a very very big thing right now. Um, by the way, I, I love the title of your book as well, Career Consciousness, because that's an interesting thing, because, um, you know, I think there's, there is a, a pervasive uh, idea out there that, you know, everyone needs to be self-employed, have their own business, this, that, the other. And I, I don't think that is for everyone. Um, uh, and some people want to work and they're happy to work and that's their lifestyle and that's what they want. So it's interesting. Why did you choose those words for your book, by the way? I was just curious. So career consciousness for me is about being in control. So it's not just going from job to job to job and never really thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So I can go back to, to school. We, we had to do um, a whole load of online tests um, and it came back. I must have ticked that I liked books because it came back that I should be a librarian. Now, as you can see, being quiet is not necessarily one of my strengths. So can you imagine me sitting in a library trying to get everybody to talk to me all day? Um, you know, so it probably wouldn't be my uh, wouldn't be my, my best bit. Um, and then it came back with teacher. And I was like, oh, I don't I don't like children. I don't the thought of being in a school was horrendous to me. Um, but nobody ever kind of said, well, what about training adults, which is part of what I do now. So um, Nobody kind of looked at that bigger picture. So for me, career consciousness was about making decisions based on what you're doing and where you want to go. So being very, very clear about what your journey entails. It's very easy to get a job. We don't do much to help people with a career. Mm. Um, and, and it was interesting because I was having, I, I sit on a, a charity board and I was having a conversation with some of the other trustees. And I was like, well, where do you want to go with, you, with your career? What can we do to help you? Because it doesn't have to be within your traditional world of work. Get involved in the stuff in the community. Get out there volunteering. You can develop skills that you don't have in work, but then that can help you pivot into something different as well. There's that word, pivot. Yeah, we love I it. I know, I know, I know. It's going to stick now, isn't it? I, I, it's so funny though. Just I, I hear this word word everywhere. Pivot. There's pivot that, and, and and it's not a bad thing. It's just become one of those words that people like to throw around now, which is uh, uh oh, a change. It's a change in direction. It is, yeah. For me, it is. You know, and I think that um, uh, you know, with with the stuff that I do, I think that um, I, I realize that you know my skill stretch is just beyond you know, way beyond being a life coach. In fact, I think that's such a minimizing title, which is why I don't use it anymore. Um, and um, so in many ways, I had to pivot myself and re reposition myself. And I, I think this is what it is. And, um, and I think that sometimes people get stuck thinking about themselves a certain way. They get really, really fixated into one thing. So, you know, if they if their title was something like for example project manager they've just become fixated on that one thing and because they've been fixated on so long they don't know how to express themselves in any other way and I, I know it alludes to a little bit what you were talking about but this was one area I always really struggled with and um, um, I I actually had to do a CV recently because um, 
a, a position came my way which I wasn't really looking for um, but it just so happened to strike a chord and I thought you know what it'd be really interesting to see what happens to to add this to my kind of you know portfolio my repertoire but I had to do a CV for it and that exercise of trying to translate everything I've done uh, up until this point and put it on a CV was a real real challenge uh, and, I, and I got there in the end and I didn't get any further uh, as, as it so happens but it was just a very interesting ex- exercise in um, kind of really stretching yourself and understanding that actually sometimes um, the problem is just our self-perception and how we've been programmed to see ourselves. And it's also um, about how the system is set up so um, the, the other thing around career consciousness for me is that at the end of every month, all of my clients are expected to sit down and reflect on what they've achieved that month. So that by the end of the year, they've got 12 really good examples of things that they've done. Now, most of the time, the only time we think about our successes are when it comes to the annual appraisal. And most of the time, people don't take those very seriously. Mm. You know, So understanding that lesson about being career conscious means that you're the only person who cares about your career. That's it. That's where the, the, where it stops. Um, you know, you might have a great mentor, you might have a great coach, but ultimately, only you really cares because you, only you know how you feel about it. So, mm. if you can then put those steps in, um, I call it like the, the self appraisal to really make sure that you're consciously tracking what's good for you. You then start to see the gaps of where you might need to do something else to help you get to your next step. Because if you're really brilliant at your job. Don't think that your employer wants you to move. Don't think they want to promote you because if you're brilliant at your job, they probably want you to stay doing that job. Yeah. What's your What's your stance on, um, shall we say, uh, for want of a better phrase, stretching the truth? Um, that is, I, I mean, we all do it, exaggerating ourselves a little bit to a certain degree. And, you know, and well, what, like, you know, where do, what's your kind of take on this? How again how do you kind of position yourself in a way so that you don't over like you know specify what you're capable of but you're you are sort of stretching the truth ever so slightly to make sure you sound appealing to the audience i i don't think it's about stretching the truth at all i don't think people should stretch the truth in terms of of their achievements but what most people do is the opposite anyway and undersell themselves so um if everybody was coming with these kind of high-flying CVs, we'd be in, in a different country, you know, and have a different culture because we're told not to boast. We're told not to talk about our achievements. So most people will go the opposite way and undersell themselves. Um, I'll tell you a story, and again, it's an example that I use in, in the book, but um, it was about a young guy who decided that he wasn't very interesting, so he put um, an interesting hobby on his CV. Um, so he put that he was learning Japanese, Nice. So he walked into the interview and the first question the interviewer asked was in Japanese and he couldn't answer it. So the interview just went downhill from there. <laughs> um, you know, so so th- there's a difference between presenting it to a point. So what I would say is, if, for example, let's take the project management example. You might have done the best ever um, project um, and and then it went horribly wrong right at the very end don't talk about the ending talk about the point where it was working up until so tell your story in the way you want to tell it you don't have to be 100 percent truthful but what we're doing is omitting rather than lying or stretching the truth yeah definitely i think the japanese one that's hilarious i think um that that's i'm sure i'm sure i've come across one or two examples of that myself over uh, over the course of the years not that i'd ever do anything quite that bad although admittedly when i was younger i did lie on my cv about one of my grades and that bit me in the ass as well so um so definitely if you're watching this definitely do not do that because that will checks checks are becoming so much more common now you know so that, that you can recruit people and then you check their qualifications um i got asked for my degree certificate the other day for something that i've not been asked for my degree certificate since i left university and i thought oh gosh you know like it's, it's not even in the same name so not quite sure how that's going to work but um yeah you know so they can check but they can also check through centralized databases and things much more easily now as well mm. and ultimately you know i'll always say to people if, if you've got 10 years work experience why do you put your gcses on there 
you've probably done more important things at work in terms of training and courses than your GCSEs, you know, ever kind of, you know, they're irrelevant if you've done A-levels. A-levels are pretty much irrelevant if you've done a degree. You know, if you've done a master's or, you know, a prince too, you know, who cares if you did GCSE French? (laughs) Well, you never know. You never know. Two pages of white space, though. So use it with the things that you want people to know about you. In the same way as I will say, if you don't want to use a skill anymore, so... Do you know, even to this day, I still get people calling me and asking if I want to go back into recruitment. I'm like, no, not in a million years. But because recruitment appeared on my CV and they just put it into a keyword scanner, they just thought they'd ask the question. Why not? (laughs) Yeah. So if you don't want to do that, don't have it on your CV. Yeah, very, very true. So actually, that nicely leads on to uh, some of the interesting points about things not to do when you're trying to reposition yourself or go for a different career choice or or things like that you know um what are some other examples of things not to do when it comes to uh the you know that repositioning yourself so to speak so make sure that you're consistent so if you're sending out a cv make sure that linkedin is up to date as well um don't ever put your picture on your cv Um, nobody cares what you look like and they will go and find you on LinkedIn if they really want to know. Um, So really start to focus on your most recent successes. Um, Sometimes people have have had the same CV since they left school or university and they just update it every time they change jobs. And that's not good enough. You need to start afresh. You need to rewrite it with the kind of area you want to focus on in mind. And that might mean that you have a couple of different versions, but you probably wouldn't need more than that. It's also really recognizing that most systems now use keyword searches. So make sure you're talking the language that everybody talks in rather than a very institutionalized language. As I said, I was talking to one of my clients yesterday and she's worked at the same company for 16 years. So talked like she works there, of course. But outside of that organization, some of the terms wouldn't make sense. So if I was looking for somebody who can problem solve, she didn't have problem solving in a CV. Mm. So you language that other people will understand. Yeah, the um, common terms like no pivot and uh, and things like that. And oh my goodness, if if I had a pound for every time I've seen a CV that someone's put I can communicate concisely at all levels I can work on my own or as part of a team I wouldn't be sitting here now I'd be on that beach um, that's in the picture behind me um, so don't state the obvious you know especially as you get more senior I had um, a director of a, a very well-known bank I wrote his CV for him and he put that you know he could work as part of a team and and I was like you know you direct multi-billion pound um, <laughs> know kind of projects and things so i'm pretty sure you must be able to communicate otherwise you wouldn't be doing that so state, you know don't state those cliches avoid the cliches so i imagine there's all these people now so i'm sitting there with a cv starting to cross these things out but tell me a story where you prove that you communicate well where it was you solved a problem with a difficult client or you got a difficult customer back on board or um you know it was somebody who came in into the shop um, and, and, you know, you managed to resolve a problem for them. I, I did um, some some work with an organisation up here in Yorkshire, um, and it was for um, women with HIV that were returning to work, and um, they'd not worked before. So it was a brand new, fresh CV, because that's the other thing I get asked, what if I've not done anything? And we were talking about managing budgets and being able to, you know, some people were saying, well, I did a little bit of a work in a shop at this point. And you're like, okay, great. So what did you enjoy about it? And we told stories about resolving problems for customers. And suddenly they had three or four things on their CV, which they could be proud of. And I went and, and really kind of hang their hat on and say, yeah, this is me and this is what I've done. So, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you haven't got loads of experience. My, my big concern at the minute is for young people. Mm. Um, and I would say to, to young people, get out there and do as much volunteering and as much... Um, you know, as you can in terms of getting some real life experience, get 
you know, get a part-time job, do whatever you need to do to start having successes to build onto your CV. Do you know, do you know it's interesting you say that as well, because I, I, obviously I speak to a lot of youngsters ranging from, you know, early teens to to university graduates or pre-grads, and they um, uh, ask a lot of this as well. And one thing I say to them, in addition to everything that you've just said as well, is um, I'll give you an example. So a youngster I know who's kind of like 14 years old, um, a friend of mine set up a big event, uh, it's a, a shopping sort of extravaganza, so lots of stalls at this one place and everything, and it was a wonderful event. This was uh, last summer, I believe, and he was, um, like I said, 14 years old. And um, he um, he's truly got an entrepreneurial spirit. And the thing that he set up at this event was he set up a, a nacho stand. And I tell you what, it was so busy and he ended up making an absolute killing at this event. Uh, and probably most of that from me because I happen to love nachos, right? Um, but he, he just made an absolute killing at this event and it's incredible and I just think to myself like what an amazing thing to do what a great thing to have on your CV I mean anyone who doesn't recognize that level of talent at 14 to create this um, this stand to, to have people working for you to make a killing I mean that was just incredible and I think that this is the one thing I say to youngsters and I don't know if you agree with me or not is that Equally, as much as as it is harder now, uh, you know, as a youngster to say stand out, whereas the competition is more fierce, but equally, will you have more tools and more, you know, more amazing things to make use of you know set up your own online business do something you know you have a way of really standing out having a website having a really good social online presence these are the things that are going to make you stand out from other people your competition and so on and so like you know like for that kid i just think wow what an amazing thing to have on a cv at the age of 16 you know should he decide not to go to university or whatever and just follow the world of work great incredible and i think those things um are what going to make the difference and it could be, you know, we, we have loads of people kind of doing, um, you know, boxes for um, homeless people, or refugees, you know, the shoebox thing. Yeah. That is something proactive in the community that anybody can do, you know, be a drop off point and then get them shipped off to, you know, to places. That's something that shows a difference and it isn't something that costs you money. You don't have to have, you know, kind of big career ambitions. Just look at what's happening around you and see if there's something you can get involved in. Organise a litter pick, you know, that, it, it doesn't have to be huge, but it's something that you've done that's different. Because I do think, you know, it, it's going to be, um, it, it's going to be harder, you know, with online learning, you know, people, if they're going to university, won't necessarily have the same opportunities to get part-time jobs in this kind of student villages because they might not be living there in the same way you know, so we don't know how this is going to pan out so i do think getting any opportunity is is just amazing really yeah no absolutely and i think that that it's recognizing like you said we were talking about this earlier recognizing actually uh not to making sure that you don't undersell yourself but actually yeah go ahead you know blow your own trumpet this is the time to blow your own trumpet go ahead do it because people need to hear this uh and not only will it help you but it will inspire other people to go do something similar as well and you know this is your opportunity this is your window to do that and i talk about it in terms of what's your special and different what makes you special and what makes you different because if i have 50 cvs it's what makes you stand out you know it's what makes you different not what makes you the same we don't look for reasons to employ people we'll look for reasons not to employ people so if you're sifting through cvs it's very rare that we, we kind of go oh you know this person looks great we might go that person's a no that person's a no that person's a no and, and so making sure you stand out is really important what makes also, you it's so good to feel involved in stuff as well it makes it makes us feel better as humans and i think that that changes your attitude you see that the world's a nice place and you know it's very easy and my worry is when people are a bit more isolated at home it can be very easy to take on lots of that negativity and you know kind of sit there and 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 sitting and, and sending out CV after CV after CV mm -hmm. and getting nothing back. And ghosting of candidates, I think, should be illegal. It's one of the most cruel practices um, that happens within that recruitment cycle where somebody's applied for a job and they don't even have the courtesy of a response. Um, so I recruited for a CEO earlier on in the year for the charity that I'm involved in. And we send responses to every single person 
that applied because I wouldn't do it any other way because I believe that that's, you know, their view of the organisation then when they take that away. But so often do I hear that people have applied for a job and then just never heard back. And that doesn't help that person bounce back. So what I say to people is, you know, we, we often used to say that job searching is a full-time job. It doesn't have to be. So plan in breaks. Give yourself the afternoon off. Go to the park, have a walk, you know, do that little project that you wanted to do. Stream something online if that's what you want to do, but make sure it's comedy, not nothing too depressing. And kind of keep your spirits high that way. I love that, what you just said about this, this ghosting of candidates that goes on that is just... You know, like you said, unacceptable, but I'm glad that, that you've, you've raised this. You're right. It is very cruel. The amount of people I, I just, just, they just sit there wondering what happened? What did I do? What was wrong with it? Why didn't they get back to me? You know, was it that bad? You know, it just be, even to have some reassurance, you know, that you were, you know what, your, your profile was fantastic. We just didn't choose you on this occasion, but you know, we'll keep you in mind for the future. At least they know and, ah. Oh, you know, you're absolutely right. Spot on on that one. Absolutely spot on. And actually what, what they don't realise is that person will find a job somewhere else and then they might, you know, want to apply again in three years' time and they'll go, actually, I don't want to work for that organisation because the last time they never even responded to me. Mm. So then they'll become like a bad reputation and, and now people are talking much more about employers they wouldn't want to work for. Yeah. And especially with websites like Glassdoor and stuff, you hear about it more and more and it's just, you know, it's there. It's out in the open now. Yeah. Well, and it should be. Yeah, should be. I agree. So what makes um, what makes Louise unique and special? What makes me? Um, I, I think probably... Um, oh, you have to throw in a twisted question right at the end, don't you? Um, I, I think for me, it's about my genuine, genuine belief that people deserve a job that makes them happy. And um, I can sit here with enough confidence usually to make people see that that's possible. Um, I always say to people at the start of the process, when they're at the lowest point, I've got enough positivity, resilience and confidence for both of us until a point that I can get them back to where, to where they want to be. Um, and, and that, I think, is having somebody on your side and helping you is really powerful. And I think my ability to be on people's side and help them get to where they want to be is probably my special and different. Bravo. I love that answer. I know I put you on the spot there, but I had to be done. I had to test you, right? We have to. Yeah, absolutely. We actually have to check that, you know, you, you live, you practice what you say, which is great. I love it. <laughs> you know and and um and to to be honest some days i've got to kind of give myself a bit of a kick you know because it's so easy to kind of go into that mode of mm. oh, is this right is that not right what how can we do this and um you know and, and that's why and I, I know i mentioned it to you the other day but i i want to create a program for people wanting to become career coaches because mm. There are so many people out there that, uh, as you know, from their like life coach and career coach, and people haven't necessarily put time and effort into getting that skill set. They've just changed their job title. You know, it was the same as when everybody suddenly became a GDPR expert overnight on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and suddenly during the COVID, there was a, all a whole ranch of COVID-19 specialists. I was like, goodness me, where on earth did they go to school? And if they knew it was coming, <laughs> they're not warned us. Um, but I want, I want to have the, the, you know, the legacy of having really good, high-quality career coaches so that when we talk, we talk about career consciousness, people have somewhere to go to talk to somebody about what they might want to do. You know? And that's ultimately in the ideal world, and I'll be sat on that, that beach watching, watching the world go by. Exactly. Checking my emails to make sure everybody's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So if there's one thing that we haven't mentioned today that you really will have a burning desire to share with people, what would it be? Um, I'm just going to go back to, to that step seven, being kind to your mind, because that for me in this period, I know we've talked a lot about resilience and, and kind of bouncing back from things, is remembering that you only need one job. Now, most of the people who um, are looking for a job have already had a job. So therefore, they know they can do it because they've done it before. And it's remembering that. 
So really kind of having that focus that it is possible, it will be possible, people are still getting jobs, people still get jobs in downturns, people still retire, so there's job openings, people still, um, you know, go off on maternity leave, so there's, you know, maternity covers, there's always job opportunities, and remembering that, I think, is, is the most important thing for people at this moment in time, is it's not as glum as it seems. I agree with you as well. I think there's a lot of opportunity out there to be found. And I think that um, despite what the headlines say, just ignore them because there's still there is amazing opportunities out there. And I know it it is a bit tougher, but that doesn't mean that it can't be done. And um, I think there is still plenty out there for everyone. And you just need to be creative, keep your eyes peeled and really just stretch yourself and try different things, never stick to the same approach, as Bruce Lee said, you know, never stick to one style, never stick to the same approach, try and, you know, be a dynamic person, you know, be, have a dynamic CV, keep tweaking it, keep adjusting it, and just try different things, because you never know what's going to stick. And, I, and I'll look back, you know, in a year's time, and those people who'll be, who were made redundant have probably got onto something they prefer, or they're happier in, or, you know, they get to work from home a bit more, and have a bit more of a work-life balance, um, I want to say redundancy is usually the universe's way of giving us a bit of a kick. Uh, amen, I believe we do. <laughs> if we're in America right now, be amen. I completely agree. I love that. It's so very true. So um, I would like to say thank you so much, Louise, for being on the podcast and being such a wonderful, wonderful guest. It's a pleasure to have you on board. Um, and uh, for anyone watching this as well, what's going to happen is um, if you've just joined or you were only able to capture a little bit of the video, that we're going to basically upload, upload the audio to all the podcasting platforms. Um, so that way you can listen on your journey to work or wherever else it may be that to your heart's content. And what I'll also do is when I upload the audio, I will, of course, include all the links to connect with Louise as well. So if you've got any questions or you would like to hire her services, you will be able to reach out to her. So um, so once again, I want to say thank you so much uh, for being such a wonderful guest. And it's a pleasure. And I'm sure, again, at some point in the future, we'll probably speak again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks very much. Uh, and to everyone else out there as well, keep feeling inspired. And of course, I'll be back with my next guest. I've got one definitely next Tuesday and possibly one on Friday as well, but I'll keep you posted. And in the meantime, thank you very much. You stay with me, Louise. I'm going to end the live and we'll catch you all later. Take care.